is we want to turn our Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to only be reading one verse of scripture there, Romans chapter 12. And I came across a story um, um, of, a, uh, of a young boy um, in the 1800s. This was in Scotland, and um, it was a young Christian boy. He uh, came from a poor family. What happened is he came to, he walked into a church, um, and it was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he got powerfully saved, like radically saved. Um, he felt the conviction that the Holy Spirit got saved. Just a young, a young lad, and um, they started coming. He started bringing his family. There was a poor family, couldn't really afford much, but they got saved, and they um, they loved the presence um, of the Lord. One time in his church, they invited a, an international speaker, and they were talking about the mission fields. It was a missionary, and he was given a plea about uh, the missions, the, 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 having a heart for out there in the missions. And as he was touching, as he was talking about the mission field and, and doing missionary work, this young boy was stirred. And the, the speaker then, at the end of the sermon, uh, gave an offering as well to say, listen, we want to open up an offering so we can give to the mission fields. And they were very, very poor. This young boy is poor. His family is poor. So they had nothing to give. So when the ushers came, they came around with the bar or the plates, just like our ushers did this morning. And when the ushers came to his row, he knew, listen, my parents ain't got nothing. I haven't got nothing. And he said to the usher, please, can you put the, the offering basket on the floor? And the usher, the usher was like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen here. He put it on the floor, and the boy stepped inside the offering basket and said, I don't have nothing to give, but I give him myself. And when I read that story, I was like, that is um, absolutely amazing. This boy gets it. So I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, um, A Living Sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, um, verse number 1. We're going to be one, one verse of scripture here in one of Paul's letters. Uh, and it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I'll read it one more time. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I want to start. This sermon is my first thought as a plea to our will. You see, Paul uses interesting language at the very beginning. He says, I beseech you. In other words, other translations, it says, I plead with you. Uh, he's talking about uh, almost begging in earnest uh, that you would do something. And he says, I beseech you, therefore. Their word, therefore, is linking his previous statements. And if you read the book of Romans before, you understand. Romans chapter 1 all the way down to chapter 11 um, he's basically presenting sound doctrine telling his readers or his listeners uh, about the wonderful mercies uh, of God he's talking about everything that God has done uh, everything that he's done for us uh, in his wonderful mercy in those chapters uh, he talks about the justification from guilt uh, and the penalty of sin Jesus Christ came to justify us uh, he talks about how we're being placed 
under grace and no longer under the law. He talks about we can have a confidence that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. So in the light of the mercy, the wonderful mercy of God, Paul sends out a plea based on all that God has done. And Paul is sending out as a plea and he's appealing to the will of man. He's appealing to their will because how we know God has given us free will. He's given us the power to choose, the power to decide. So when Paul is speaking to people, he's saying, I want you to make a wise decision. In fact, I'm pleading with you to make a righteous decision. I give you a choice right here, right now. We know the familiar scripture when Moses was speaking to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 30 and verse number 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I've set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Here is Moses laying down the gauntlet for the children of Israel. You have a decision, he's saying. I want you to choose something that is right. I want you to choose and make a decision using all the faculties that God has given you. And this is how Paul starts his letter. He says, I beseech you, I plead to you. I want you to make a wise choice and a wise decision. The reason he's doing that is because he wants people to take responsibility for their actions. How many know in this day and age that we live in, people don't like taking responsibility for their actions? There's always an excuse why something happened. Or it's blame something else or something external. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their own actions. I've used this story before, but it fits nicely. I remember talking to one of my, uh, it was a a young guy in uh, the Derby church where I'm from. And he told us his testimony if he'd been up and down and so on. Uh, he's, you know, he grew up in a Christian family and so on. So he knows uh, the, the word and knows that certain things and so on. Uh, but as he was growing up, as he was going to university, there was a, a certain sister in church that he saw that he liked. Um, and he kind of wanted to kind of, you know, just start talking to her and so on. Uh, and he started talking to her. And then what he started to do was uh, have Bible studies with her. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Just Bible studies, just him and her. He'll go to his house, bring his Bible. They'll be talking about Jesus. <laughs> but it wasn't, so, it wasn't so long that, the, that Jesus kind of slipped the agenda. Now they're talking about something else. And the reason I say that is because uh, he used it because, you know, it all, you know where I'm going with this. It all went wrong and so on and stuff like that. It, it didn't come out later and so on. But he used these phrase to tell me what happened because after after it all came out what happened is she was pregnant and so on they had a child and all this stuff yeah after it all came out he described this situation to me and he was telling me and he used this phrase he was like listen I was just there and then one thing led to another who's ever heard that before yeah I, I was just there and, and it kind of just happened like removing himself taking himself out of the responsibility that that it was like it was on autopilot I was here just just watching like a lamb to the slaughter, just watching. No, you made a decision. Can you say amen in this place? You made some choices along the way. Come on, I don't want to get into detail, but you had some choices to make. You had some decisions. One thing led to another because you led it there. Can you say amen in this place? 
One thing led to another. It just happened as if that you have no, no uh, decision as to make. Listen, he made some choices. And the thing is, people live like that. They take the, or they want to remove themselves and don't take responsibility for their own actions. Paul was saying to you, I want you to take responsibility. I plead with you. He's appealing to the will of man. We have free will. We have the power to choose because our will is meant to be master over our bodies. Did you know that? Your will is meant to master your body. Listen, the body you have is a wonderful servant. It's a wonderful servant. Because I have a body, I'm able to do things. I'm able to go places. I'm able to work a job. I'm able to go and have friends. I'm able to go and socialize. I'm able to stand before a pulpit and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Because I have a body that does my bidding. It is my servant. If I say I want to go, then we go. My body is the one that, that serves me. I say I want to go here, then we go here. I'm able to do many things, have many things. Maybe uh, you People are here, they're starting businesses maybe because you have a body that is servant to you. It is a wonderful servant, but the body is a terrible master. It's great if your body serves you, but if your body, your flesh is mastering you, then you get involved in all sorts of things that will take you to places that you do not want to be. You'll be doing things, thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I making this decision? You'll be giving yourself to things, thinking, how did this happen? Then you say statements like, one thing led to another, because you are subservient to your body, subservient to your flesh. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 27. He says, I discipline my body. And I bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul is saying, I have this awkward flesh. This stubborn flesh that wants to do its own will. But I bring it into subjection. I discipline myself. There's certain places I won't go. Can you say amen in this place? There's certain things I won't put inside of my body. There's certain things I won't put before my eyes. I bring myself. I I discipline. I bring it into subjection. Because I want to be able to be the master of my body. Rather than having it being the master of me. We understand the fruits of the Spirit. There's nine of them. Who can say it with me? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. (laughs) Thank you. And the last one is self-control. Self-control. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have the ability to control self. Come on. You have the ability to control yourself. There's nothing worse than seeing a man or a woman with no self-control. It's a horrible sight to see people that have no self-control, people that cannot hold it down, people that can't uh, take it seriously. I remember again in Derby, uh, we, we saw people getting saved and so on. There was this young Italian man that came and got saved. He was there uh, and he was uh, trying to live for God and he wouldn't really give it up. He wouldn't really give up the girls. That's what he was saying. He said, listen, we can't give it And we would challenge him. We would challenge him as a man. I remember my pastor challenged him as a man and he says listen you don't understand it's in our blood (laughs) I don't know the Italians in the house I don't know if you can tell me if that's true or not but he said it's in our blood that's what he said he's basically saying listen I have no self-control 
I can't control this. But how many know, listen, you have a choice to make and you can control. So Paul said, I beseech you because he was appealing to the will of mankind. He was appealing to them to do what? Brings me to my second point. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. There's three areas that Paul mentions here. The first one is presenting our bodies. This is the physical part of us. The last week we spoke about loving God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. The body is what contains it all. The body is the physical part of you that interacts, it has uh, uh, the five senses that interacts uh, with this world that God has created. It is uh, what uh, carries everything about you. It is the body. Uh, you know, I remember speaking to somebody, I was saying, bro, uh, how come you went in church the other day? Or how come you went in outreach the other day? And you know, the response is like, bro, don't worry, I was with you in spirit. <laughs> Who's ever heard that before? <laughs> And when you think about that, that sounds quite nice. It sounds quite, you know, spiritual, right? I was with you in spirit. But then take it somewhere else. Take it, take it to the hospital, for example. You have, you have an operation to go to. You go into the operating theater. You say, where's the doctor? I say, oh, he's going to be with you in spirit. <laughs> no, nah, I don't want you in spirit, bro. I need you here in body. Can you say amen in this place? So people say, you know, they, they just throw that out there because the body is important. And the body is what carries the faculties. And Jesus found the body so important that when he decided to come and enter into his creation, he decided to take up this body. Can you say amen in this place? He decided to dwell inside of a body. You know, just driving back from the men's discipleship, we're speaking about many things. One of the things we spoke about was online churches. Now, one of the things I, uh, I really despise that COVID did was to bring about this, this false sense of security that I can just stay in my pajamas in bed and put on YouTube and I'm in church. Now, don't get me wrong. God is everywhere. We know that, right? Everyone agree with that. God is everywhere. But there's something about being present in body in the house of God that distinguishes everything. Listen, we can tell you about the men's discipleship we had a couple of days ago. We tried to tell you, but you didn't catch the whole thing because you wasn't there. There was an atmosphere that was there that can be experienced. Listen, when COVID hit and we had to shut down and we had to go online, listen, it served the purpose for that particular time. But how many know God's church was never meant to be like that? We was meant to fellowship together with one another. There's something about being somewhere in person. We're meant to be there in body. In Hebrews 10, verse number 24, the Bible says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And verse number 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some. Because some people don't regard being somewhere in body, presenting their body as something that's important. We're saying, hey, God loves you. God bless you. Amen. There's a car out there. Listen to what God is saying. Jesus Christ died for you. Listen, he can save you, transform you. God bless you. Sorry, I had to see that. Amen. But what we're saying is... You have to be somewhere in body. It is something that you are not forsaking. It's something that we gather together right now. Paul said we need to be present in our bodies, and that is present in our actions, present in our abilities, the whole package we need to present to God. 
He's saying we need to present our bodies uh, to God, something that's physical, something that you do, something that, that contains everything. Secondly, he says we need to present it as a living sacrifice. You know, the, ordin- the ordinances of the Old Testament, uh, we understand that sacrifices had to be done. There was sacrifice. Uh, uh, but the thing is about the Old Testament is when you sacrificed, it was just one and done. Once it was burned up, once it was eaten up, or once it was poured out, that was it. That was the end of the sacrifice. Uh, it is dead and gone. If you do something else, uh, you have another child or something else, you sin again, you need to bring another sacrifice. Paul instructs that we present our bodies uh, as a living sacrifice. In other words, it's a continual sacrifice. It's a daily sacrifice. It's something we do continually. It's not just one and that's it's over. We do it all the time. Paul said this in Philippians 2.17. He says, I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. He is continually being poured out. He's sacrificing his body continually. It's something that we do continually. It doesn't stop. Every single day, we're presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. We're saying, God, use me today. When the next day comes, we're saying, use me again. The day after that comes, we're saying, use me again. We're presenting it as a living sacrifice. He said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And this one, church, is important. He says, holy and acceptable to God. Now, when I was writing this sermon and I was uh, praying about this, um, um, I realized this section, this particular section of my sermon, I might not get many amens. But I'm okay with that because it's true from the word of God. This particular section of my sermon might leave people feeling a little bit uncomfortable. But I'm okay with that because sometimes Jesus spoke and people were uncomfortable. Sometimes Jesus spoke and people left. So I'm just kind of setting you up for this third point here. It says, holy and acceptable to God. This is to do with the standard of the sacrifice. You see, in the Old Testament, there were certain standards of the sacrifice they had to adhere to. If we look at Leviticus 1 and verse number 10, the Bible says, And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of sheep or of goats for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. Can't just bring any sheep or any goat. It has to be one without blemish. Deuteronomy 15, verse number 21, it says, And if there be a blemish therein, as if it be lame or blind or have any ill blemish, thou shalt not sacrifice it unto the Lord thy God. There was a certain standard to the sacrifices brought to God. And can I tell you, the standard of sacrifices made to God under the old covenant have not been done away. In fact, they have been fulfilled in the new covenant. The new covenant doesn't have any less standards than the old covenant. So what I'm saying is the sacrifice needs to be holy and acceptable. So when Paul is saying you need to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He's saying you should be holy and acceptable. The problem is we give ourselves to things that causes blemishes. We present ourselves to things and now we're no longer holy and acceptable. It causes us to be blemished or marred or tarred. And we need to understand that we are doing a disservice to the sacrifice we want to present to God. It needs to be holy and acceptable. Fornication and adultery. 
That's basically sex outside of the confines of marriage. That's what it is. eh? All that is is the body saying, I want this right now. Three times in in the Song of Songs, it used the phrase, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. It's a healthy desire. Listen, it's healthy, but it should be kept in within boundaries. And the thing is about this generation, we don't understand what we're doing when we are engaging in this outside of the way God has designed it to be. We have just kind of covered it up and say, oh, as long as we love each other, it is fine. Can I tell you when we do that, we begin to blemish ourselves. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 18. The Bible says, flee sexual immorality. Run away. Don't even entertain it. Flee sexual immorality. It says, every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. I'm going to let that one simmer a little bit. Everything else we do is outside of the body. It's out there, it's out there, the, you know, the thoughts, it's out there. But when we engage in this particular problem, when we engage in sexual immorality, we do it against our own body. The things that we are supposed to present to God as a holy and acceptable sacrifice. We are bringing it before God and we are blemished. And I'm saying that today because you won't hear this in a popular mega church many times because sometimes it's too much, it's too personal. But I'm saying this because of the love of Jesus Christ that I have for one another, that I have for you, that I don't want people to be living a life that sinning against their own body. Because how many know when we do this, there is a price tag to pay? Can you say amen in this place? It's such a shame that people will present themselves in this way, but it, there is a price tag to pay when we give our bodies in that, in that way. We sin against our own body. There's a price tag. What we take in, we can abuse our bodies with drugs and alcohol. We can abuse our bodies with substances that are not meant to be there. We can abuse it. And now all of a sudden, uh, this body that's meant to be holy and acceptable before God is tarnished. How we adorn ourselves. Come on now. How we dress ourselves, how we kind of take care of our bodies. And I was parking up uh, uh, for outreach the other week, and I happened to park up next to a tattoo shop. And uh, people were going in and out, and the, the owners, there was tattooed, this woman was tattooed from head to foot. There was not an inch of, of, of plain skin on her, just everything there. And, and people are having piercings, no longer just normal piercings anymore. People are piercing places. Well, I didn't even know you could pierce. I, I saw somebody had a piercing on their forehead. I'm like, how did he even grab the skin to be able to do that? Because there's such a a, a travis or such a a hate towards our own bodies. We want to try and deform it and do something to the point where it's just, 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 let's just cover it up. And that might seem extreme, but even the subtle ways of, listen, I have no problem with makeup. Come on, I'm not going to throw it out there. Makeup is good, it's good. But it comes a problem where you have to have an artist degree in order to paint it on your and it takes an hour to do the whole thing and when you take it off it's like two different people what 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 are we trying to come what are we trying to do to the bodies we're meant to present the bible says you are what fearfully and wonderfully made why are we trying to alter this to the point where we just just this is something we're meant to present to god (laughs) come on now ladies forgive me come on now 
<laughs> how we adorn ourselves, how we present ourselves. You know, one thing, I don't know if you, I don't know if you agree with me these days, but you can walk out on the streets today. I don't know if it's just me getting older, but the way people are dressing nowadays, sometimes my jaw hits the floor. <laughs> and I'm going there today. I told you, I'm going there today. Sometimes the way people dress, I'm like, did you look in the mirror before you left? Did you forget to put on the outfit you was actually going to put on? Because what you're wearing is, out, is underwear. That's what you're wearing. You go out and people are and confident, just walking, just confident, just showing. Every, it's like, dear Lord. What are we seeing here in this generation? What are we doing? How we adorn ourselves? This body is meant to be holy and acceptable, presented before God. And we are in a generation where we're presenting our bodies to the world. All you've got to do is check out Instagram. Everybody's presenting their bodies. It's just a presentation. That's what, and that's men and women. Just presenting. Men are wearing tight trousers nowadays. I'm thinking, what? how did you even get that on your legs? <laughs> did you have to spray that on or what? How did that work? There's a presentation. We're presenting our bodies not before God. We're presenting it to the world. So now you have to show what I've got. I have to show off my assets. I have to show you because I want to present to you. I want to present everything to you. No, we should be presenting ourselves holy and acceptable before God. Can you say amen in this place? Listen to what Paul says in Romans 6, verse number 19. It says, just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, he says, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. We all know know how to present. We all do it. We all do it every day. We're presenting ourselves, presenting ourselves, giving ourselves to people. We're giving ourselves to that guy because he spoke some wonderful words in our ears. Or giving ourselves to this alcohol because, you know, my my body says I need alcohol or these drugs because I needed to get a hit. Giving ourselves. We give ourselves to all these things, but we're giving the thing that God is requiring from us as a holy and acceptable sacrifice. This is our responsible service. The Bible says uh, in our text, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, to God, which is your reasonable service. So maybe you're here um, and you, you know, you've been, there's a, there's a blemish there. You know, in the Old Testament, they had to get rid of that. They, they can't present that to God. How many know the precious blood of Jesus Christ is able to wash away the blemishes, is able to purify the bodies that we have, is able to wash away clean, oh, any tarnish we've had from this world. Because I'm saying these things not because I'm perfect, and I've done some of those things myself before, but for the blood of Jesus Christ has washed me white as snow, given me a brand new start. In order to become holy and acceptable, to be honest, there's nothing that you can do. You can't do it on your own because you are not holy and acceptable before God. But thank God that Jesus Christ saw that and he stepped down and said, you know, I'm going to have to provide 
provide a means of, of making these people holy and acceptable. Because whatever they do is like filthy rags before the Father. So we have to come with a, a rescue mission. And he came and delivered us. And by his blood, we can become holy and acceptable. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ can we become holy and acceptable. And we need to do that. It is our reasonable service. That phrase there is talking about the true way to worship God. The service, the reasonable service is talking about a worship service. We worship God with our bodies. That means with our entire being. As you think about that, listen, that should change the decisions that you make Monday through to Saturday. When you go in places, you can't take this thing that you're meant to worship God with into that place. Can you say amen in this place? When you're going and you're tempted to do something, you're saying, how can I use this, the members that are meant to worship God and mess around in sin. You should be like Joseph and run away and flee. You want this garment? Leave the garment and flee. Because how can I do this and sin against God? You should think about your body, your whole being as something, as a vehicle to produce the worship that God requires. So you can't just give yourself to any little thing because this is a living sacrifice before the almighty God and I must be holy and acceptable no longer allowing the world and the society to put blemishes on us we're washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and we should be reserved for the king of kings can you say amen in this place you know I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse number 19 and 20 it says do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. Let that one sink. You are not your own. Verse number 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. What we're doing when we worship God with our body, we're just giving back to him what he already owns. You are not your own. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it was a high price. It was a high price. It wasn't just uh, what like Peter says in verse Peter, first, first Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18. It says, you are not redeemed or, or purchased with corruptible things like silver or gold uh, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He's saying it wasn't just silver or gold or jewel that was used to purchase you. No, it was the very blood of Jesus Christ. You was bought at a high price. Jesus says, you're that valuable that I have to spill my blood in order to purchase you. Listen, you are not your own. That's why when I hear all sorts of things in society, uh, there's this movement going around talking about pro-choice. Women saying, listen, my body's my own. If I want to have a baby and abort it, I can do it because my body's my own. That's where you're mistaken. The body you have, the breath in your lungs belongs to God. You 
you don't have the right to make a decision to say, I'm going to end my life. That's why suicide is such a, a, a wicked tool of the enemy because you're saying, I'm going to take upon myself and take away this life that God gave you. Listen, we have to understand the bodies we have have been purchased. They don't belong to us. We are not our own. So who are we to say, I'm going to use it for this and for that? No, it belongs to God, so we should give it back to God. Can you say amen in this place? We were bought at a price, purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We need to present ourselves holy and acceptable. We are only giving back to him what belongs to him already. It's our duty. You know, we can do that. And he doesn't even have to say thank you. This, this, it belongs to him. Come on, if I gave you 20 pounds just at the beginning of this morning and I asked you to give it me back, isn't, you, you've not done me a favor here. That was mine in the first place. God has given us these bodies and he's purchased them with his own life. That's what separates uh, 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 the true uh, relationship with God, the true religion with other religions because uh, other religions is all about what you do for this God. You've got to do this, you've got to do this. uh, But when we serve the God of the universe, we understand it's not what we can do but what he already did. And he purchased you with his precious blood. He understood that you are worthy that you are precious in his, you are like the apple of his eye. And he says, I'm going to purchase you. Our text again, so just to finish, just to close. Paul is saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, the wonderful mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God has blessed us with a lot. God has given us a lot. We are to present our bodies. That means our entire being. Not just the physical thing, the entire being. We are presenting it to him as a living sacrifice. Saying, listen, God, I have, you know, we have a stubborn will. Sometimes I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do that. But God, listen, I want to do your will. I give myself, I offer myself up to you. Paul said, I'm willing to spend and be spent We need to offer up our lives, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. Stop giving our bodies to all sorts of things, all sorts of ideologies. It's time we start to give give the sacrifice that God requires in this place. There's a few things I want to pray for today, this morning. So as we do that, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes in this place. A living sacrifice.